Millburgers Gardening South Texas is sponsored by Millburgers Landscaping and Nursery on 9:30 a.m. The Answer. Ready? It's time for Millburgers Gardening South Texas. Two hours of gardening facts and fun with Dr. Jerry Parsons and Dr. Calvin Finch. To be a part of the show, call 308. 308- 8867. That's 308 8867 or toll free at 866 308 8867. And now, live from Milberger's Landscape and Nursery at 1604 and Bulverde Road, here's your host, Milton Blake. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Milberger's Gardening South Texas on 930 AM. The answer. Uh, on a beautiful day here at Mill Burgers at 1604 on Bull Road. We're sitting on the porch, ready to talk gardening with you. Just give us a call at 210-308-8867. That's 210-308-8867. Toll free, 866-308-8867. Yeah, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I was waiting for a break for you to oh, okay. give me a break. No, no. I, I was listening... <laughs> I was listening to your show coming oh, yeah. over here at eleven o'clock our, in the loop. Our uh, opening act, so I call it. Yeah, and uh, you were talking about adoption of pets. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it it made me think back to uh, Dr. Sam Cotner, the guy that wrote the uh, uh, vegetable book. Yeah. That, that we always talk about. And uh, Sam was kind of a funny guy. And so he decided he was going to adopt a dog. All right. And went to the adoption, went to the pound to get the dog and failed the test. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What was the test? (laughs) I mean, you know, they ask you different questions. How how long you go? How much are you home every day? And do you have a fence yard? And uh, on and on and on. And he came back very, very perplexed that he had. I'm sorry. Failed. It wasn't, wasn't even qualified to adopt a dog. That's From the town. That's sad. <laughs> but anyway, you had a good show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So you want to adopt a pet? No. Okay. Well, I've got one. You do have one. You have a little schnauzer. Yeah, a little schnauzer. All right, 210-308-8867. You guys were talking to that man about soil? Well, he's, he grows um, tomatoes in containers. And we were kind of we were observing that he knew exactly what varieties he was after. Uh, we went over there and he got a few of the uh, four inch, and then he saw the one gallons and he went and got them. Uh, but he was having uh, pretty good luck with uh, five gallon containers, yeah. which which are very <laughs> to me are very difficult to get. To with raise regular it, tomatoes, the big to- oh wow, yeah he's his. Favorite? Well, he used to like uh, Surefire, which is not real <laughs> big, real big. But uh, that used to be one of my favorites too. Yeah. In, in the fall, especially. This was kind of a medium size. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. But and, uh, and, it, and it was fast. Yeah, it was fast. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I think I think it was the first tomato to be named a Texas superstar. Right. Because. One of the main reasons is because it would produce in the fall in Dallas. Huh. Oh. Uh, it's fast enough to produce in Dallas in the fall. So, uh, but it went the way we lost the we lost the uh, hybridness of the of the plant, 
Yeah, and then we that. saved the seed for several years. Yeah, I remember that. We tried to, we finally gave up on it when the uh, the seed. Yeah, we, we yeah the mi- mixed kind of production and mixed. Uh, the, genetically, they look real different than when yeah. they were grown in the garden. Yeah. Changing the subject, I was uh, sitting in the parking lot watching people come out with their plants that they were purchasing. And uh, almost every one of them had a blue plumbago, which happens to be on sale. And almost every one of them had Mexican bird of paradise, pride of Barbados, which is also on sale. And they weren't even blooming, right? No. There are buds on them, though. <laughs> yeah, there's buds on them. And uh, uh, I guess, of course, that's what's blooming all over town now. Yeah. Profusely, uh, uh, profusely and they're and they're again this year. The deer aren't eating them in my neighborhood, which always yeah. kind of amazes me. I'm going to invite your deer to my neighborhood, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they eat them there. I take it, huh? Uh, no, actually, I don't have deer. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to worry about the two-legged varmints. Not uh, the, uh, they're the also they're also buying the uh, Proud of Barbados, which is not on sale. Which is not on sale. But in full bloom out here. Got a good supply of them. Sorry, Alice. Oh, I took a picture of them. <laughs> Bless you. Excuse me. Man, I'm glad you have that mask, if nothing else. Hey, just yeah. To yeah, I can you see that mask. It just kind of went. And the Thrialis is on sale, which is a, is a superstar. And the deer won't eat it. Deer won't eat it. Uh, the deer will eat blue plumbago. At least in my neighborhood, uh, they do. And uh, my, kind of the the word the uh, the uh, the uh, jury is out on whether they'll eat Mexican bird of paradise, proud of Barbados. They won't uh, eat that angel's trumpet. No, yeah. they won't. Yeah, you got that only one, once. Yeah. Is that no, only, the only once? Yes. Okay. That's a, that's a plant that uh, most people have not tried. That's maybe kind of fun for people to give that a give that a try. Because well, Andrew Trumpet. There's not yeah. a not a whole lot of deer resistant perennials that can tolerate any shade. Yeah, right. And uh, so that is a, a halfway decent one for that situation. Absolutely. There's always trees in deer country. <laughs> and uh, I'm wonder, I'm wondering if that's my picture on the on your on your sales possibly. But uh, it looks like it looks like it's uh, the picture uh, that I took in in, uh, in the greenhouse. Uh, but it, regardless, it shows the tremendous number of blooms on it, and uh, that would mean that it's definitely Charles Grimaldi yellow. Yes. Yep, and we have that one, which, which you've got a bunch of. Yep, and uh, you also got uh, what did you say a double white and a single white? Yes, sir. And uh, this is a time to plant them, let them get established, and start growing uh, before fall. Because when the temperature cools uh, in the fall, that's when they start blooming. And they have a wonderful fragrance, a tremendous fragrance, uh, which, occur- which begins to occur at 6 o'clock at night. And goes all the way through the night, and uh, ha- has those droopy blooms. Now, I'm Dorothy Weedy, uh, Calvin neighbor, 
got us got me started on them and uh and uh i always i'd go over to dorothy's house and she had some out by the fence and in the backyard and everywhere else and uh taking pictures of them well the blooms hang down trace they do so i had to lay down on the ground ground to get a picture of the bloom (laughs) but anyway they uh they're very fragrant and uh uh, I'm glad you got some in. Yeah, they're they're kind of hard to find. You want to grow them where they definitely get uh, afternoon uh, shade. Uh, it it may say on the label that they take full sun, but that ain't, that ain't full sun in Texas. Not San Antonio full sun, huh? And they take quite a bit of shade. Uh, I've seen them growing in quite a bit of shade. In fact, Dorothy, Dorothy, the prettiest one she had one time was a, a dwarf white uh, growing under a peach tree. It was growing through the peach tree, mm-hmm. of course, because it got so small, so large. But uh, they come in all different sizes. Uh, but it uh, seemed like Charlotte Grimaldi is the bloomingest one of them all. Uh, we've had a pinky. We've had a pink one. And uh, we had that dwarf white. The only dwarf white I've ever been, uh, only dwarf Brugmatia I've ever gotten out of Dorothy Weedy. She likes the tall ones, mm-hmm. the big ones. Yeah. She's a little person. Well, that way she can be under it and actually see the uh, Absolutely. <laughs> now, we're talking about tall up to her second story in her oh, house. Oh, wow. That's Yeah, that's, that's tall. tall. She... <laughs> She, was, she took me around that house one time and said, you want some cuttings of this one? And I'm looking up at it, at the second story of her house. I said, no, Dorothy, I want a dwarf because they're hard to deal with in the greenhouse, especially when you carry them through the winter. And uh, <laughs> But they, uh, speaking of carrying them through the winter, they, uh, a lot of times, they, most of the time, they freeze back. To the ground, but they come back from the ground when the temperature warms up. But the deer won't touch them. I tell that story about Calvin saying that the deer wouldn't eat iris, and that little <laughs> that little lady came up. She was a Rosarian, and uh, she came up to the deer and said, "Where's Calvin Finch?" He said the deer won't eat iris. They eat iris in my neighborhood. And I said, Calvin's right over there with the Rosario. If you go get him, uh, if you can't find him, come back. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll walk you over to him. Yeah, he's very nice. And so, and so, uh, so much love. Yeah. And so I said, What won't the deer eat? She said, They won't touch Angel Trumpet or uh, Bermatia. And I guess that's the largest flower that we have available in the gardens, wouldn't you think? I, I, I Definitely so. the largest fragrant flower. In in length. What uh, about? I'd say Muy Grande for the largest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah and that uh, diameter. That uh, Confederate rose. That's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but it's about no. the size of a regular. That's another one of Dorothy's uh, favorites. <laughs> so I did find three varieties of uh, Mallow Hibiscus that will be coming in this oh, week. Oh, good. One All of, right. One of them is going to have red, reddish foliage. Uh, Hmm. The other one, I think, was a flare, and then one other variety. What size? Uh, Three-gallon. Okay, that's cool. 
So what else is coming in? What else can well, you tell us? Do you want the good news or the bad news, or you just want me to tell Uh-oh. it how it is? Uh, tell it how it is, Trace. That's what we can All right. To. So our local supplier for tomato plants. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> when, I, when I saw the availability last night, my heart just dropped. Hmm. Four and a half inch pots. He only had four flats. Good Lord. But he had plenty of six packs. Oh, no. And gallons. So, against my better judgment, I'm bringing in six packs. Okay. Have to. It's a little harder to start, especially in yeah, this kind of weather. Yeah, you'll have to buy the six packs of uh, pea pots and uh, uh, pot them up. Pot them up in containers. Which may not be all a bad situation. Calvin got several articles on potting the plants up, especially in the spring. But uh, it's a good thing to do in the summer and get a, get, for them to get a larger root system so they're easier to transplant. But uh, So there will be plenty of gallon cans. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. That's the good news. Yeah, that gardener that was talking to us about the tomatoes in containers, he... He really he liked the one gallon, even in the fall he did. Yeah, well, I, that's that's my favorite size anyway. Yeah, yeah. And at, at this time of the year, that's uh, for the retailer. Uh, uh, it's uh, the gallon is a is a better product because it'll store a lot. You can keep it longer. Easier uh, to water. Uh, tom- tomatoes are. <laughs> In the in the spring, we'll keep uh, you you buy them from the uh, wholesaler, and uh, they keep what two three weeks yes, at sir. least. But in the summer, when it's hot, tomatoes grow extremely fast. They do, and so uh, the. Uh, the re- uh, David David Rodriguez got the grower to grow in these gallons. Uh, give his, him full credit for it. I always give give him full credit when they have to throw away a bunch of gallons because they've outgrown the the gallons. So uh, yeah, uh, you better get the gallons while you can, and uh, you can try the peapot deal and. And pot them up into well. We we've time. always we've always made it clear that the fall tomato planting is a the, the timing is really tight. Oh, you don't, yeah. you don't have a much a much slack. You got to make a decision and get rid of the spring tomatoes and get the and get the fall tomatoes in. And the good news is that uh, we got a good choice of varieties, the right varieties here at Millburgers, and you've got. Several sizes uh, to, cho- to choose from. Well, I have a good I have a good choice on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, good. It's a little limited right now. Yeah, until it comes in. Okay. So, what's the other news? We won't judge. You. <laughs> no, we won't it was, judge. It was the all news. tied together. Oh, okay. So that's what I said. I'll just give it to you how it is. So we have them. They're just going to be in the six pack. <laughs> okay. And, and in gallons. Oh, and in gallons. Okay. And it is the right varieties. So they had that's tycoon, the key. Tycoon. They had celebrity. Oh, good. Had, oh, uh, good. The, the fish. Red snapper. <laughs> Red snapper. And uh, several other varieties. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, when I came up here, uh, I saw that, that list right there. 
yeah. of a crepe myrtle, available crepe myrtle. I, I, did, I didn't leave that for you to look at, but you're welcome oh. to look at it. <laughs> but uh, they've got a lot. You've got a lot of uh, good, good quantities of good crepe myrtle. Yes, sir. And uh, let's see, I saw uh, red uh, red rocket on there. Yeah, dynamite, red rocket, pink velour. Yeah. Uh, those are all the Whitcomb series. And got some strange <laughs> names that I've never seen on there, but might be interesting to try. Some uh, purples. Yep. Oh, good. And, uh, yeah, it's purple. And uh, purple's always been... Uh, they used to have, uh, we had one called, uh, that was purple. I can't think of the name of it. Uh, Royalty was one. Yeah. Yeah, the one we, Jerry's one. thinking of, we did a, we did a test one. over there at the yeah. old uh, Bradbury, Catalpa. Bradbury Wine. Oh, Catalpa. Catalpa. Bradbury yeah. Wine's purple. Yeah. Did you have? You ever had Bradbury wine? Had yes. Have, <laughs> have I have a zero next to it? Yeah, no. I don't. Uh, yeah, we saw one yeah, in the neighborhood purple. today. That was uh, a, a deep purple, uh, really pretty. Not not um, not purple like mountain laurel, but 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 just a couple shades uh, lighter. Lighter, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I like that one. Catapa was the old one, right? Yeah, that was the purple. Purple. That's the first purple. I had that earlier in the year. And the reason we came out with uh, Bradbury Purple and uh, Bradbury Wine, excuse me, uh, because that's named after one of the founders of Millburger Nursery, and also it was a, it's a vigorous plant. I've got some at the container in a greenhouse in the greenhouse. That are, I think it. We claim that its mature height is ten to twelve feet, but it's a it's a nice purple, and it's more uh, vigorous than uh, Catalpa. But uh, anyway, we're well, out of those. I don't have either one of them. We're out of those. <laughs> okay, yeah, keep talking about things Trace doesn't have. Yeah. Uh, what else you got, Trace? What else is going on this week? Uh, I I just kind of stopped after the tomato. No, you were that heartbroken. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> The, the, I think we've got houseplants coming in this week. Oh, that's good. Um, I saw Peter in there uh, messing with that, making tags. So there should be some nice, interesting tropicals coming in on uh, possibly Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday out of Florida. That's that's neat. Do y'all ever feature houseplants in your sale? I'm trying to think. No, we're we're trying to we're trying to do one, um, <laughs> which you can't tell me about. I can't tell you about it, and uh, <laughs> so we'll see. Okay. Well, that fern was is. I know Jerry won't like it. Foxtail fern. No, he hates everything. <laughs> you can't please him. Don't even. Don't even try. Uh, as I was coming in, <laughs> I He's noticed a fun guy. I, I, I noticed a, a lot of people uh, shopping in the cactus. Yes, garden out yep. there. <laughs> people Maybe buying they think it's be so hot and dry. All, all kinds of aloe veras and yeah. sedums. Yeah, and uh, the, the people frequent that. Look at the blue flamingo in that lady's yeah, she's uh, got wagon. She got a wagon full. Yep. As I was walking in, I saw some some of those little zinnias. I thought I'd mention that before Calvin got there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised you got to that. First. But <laughs> Augustafolia, uh, mm. uh, the little one, the little zinnia, kind of a. But it uh, doesn't have the big blooms that those in you does, but it has a lot of smaller blooms. Yep. 
and uh, got those as transplants out there. Well, somebody wrote in to Neil Sperry and says, uh, My tomatoes have only set a few fruit. I haven't seen many pollinators. That's what he's blaming, the pollinators. I've been using 13-13-13 fertilizer. That's what my mama used to use in Tennessee. But they're not growing. The lower leaves are turning brown and falling off. I started out with many varieties, including several heirlooms ah. and others that na- a neighbor gave me. What can I do? <laughs> the first recommendation Niels Perry had was start with recommended varieties. Well, Way to go, Neil. He, he, could, he could identify from... My tomatoes have only set a few fruit uh, by simply saying you planted heirlooms. There are very few heirlooms that uh, set a heavy crop of fruit. Most of the time they've set two or three fruit on a very tall plant, uh, and the the fruit is ugly as the devil. So... uh, but uh, they ta- they're supposed to taste better, Trey. Supposedly. So if you want a few big fruit rather than a lot of nice-sized fruit, uh, stick with the heirloom. Except for... Cherokee uh, purple. Uh, yeah, Cherokee purple. I was wondering, you know, you, you said the ugly, and I was uh, thinking about my Cherokee purple that... Uh, Steve gave gave me he um, it was uh, a, a new selection of uh, that related to Cherokee purple and the birds passed on it and I was thinking maybe they they even <laughs> thought it was too ugly to, uh, yeah. to bother with is it is it crinkled and oh yeah wrinkled yeah. and ugly yeah uh, but it uh, tasted tasted good but it was uh, not very many fruit just like you described but and uh, misshapen. Just like we've seen at the, in the yeah. tomato contest. So I'm going to try next year because I had an employee that bought uh, Cherokee Purple that was grafted. I don't remember if y'all talked when I was talking about the few grafted tomatoes we got in, and actually the production was halfway decent in, in quantity uh, on an heirloom. They need to they need to compare that with the non-grafted. All right. Uh, because hey. we've we found that uh, in test, where you put them side by side, there's not that much difference. We need to take a break, guys. So 210-308. I'm going to give you one right now. 210-308-8867. 210-308-8867. More of Millburgers Gardening South Texas coming up with Dr. Calvin Finch, Dr. Jerry Parsons, Trace, if you can join us. I'm Milton Glick. This is 930 AM, The Answer.
Milton Glick from Millburgers Landscape Nursery at 1604 and Bull Road. I want to tell you about some of the items on sale this week. We've got some of your favorites that are now on sale and some that you haven't seen on sale in a long time. Let's start off with one of your favorites, the foxtail fern. When we had it on sale a couple of weeks ago, it was so very, very popular. And now it's on sale again in the number one container for just five eighty-eight or two for $10. The same goes true for blue plumbago. They were just moving out the door. They're absolutely gorgeous, and that's why they're on sale in the number one container for just four eighty-eight. This week at Millburgers, you'll save on Mexican Bird of Paradise. Bicolor irises are on sale. I haven't seen these on sale in a long time. In the number one container, now just $4.88. You'll save on crepe myrtles, thoralis, and much, much more, including Lynn's Legacy and Silverado Sinisa for just eighteen eighty-eight in the number five container. At Millburgers Landscape Nursery, 1604 on Bull Road. Learn more at millburgernursery.com. Burgers Gardening, South Texas, on 9.30 a.m. The answer, Trace went to help someone with a question they had. So uh, we'll have them back, I'm sure, in a moment. But our number, if you got a question, is 210-308-8867. 210-308-8867. Toll free, it's 866-308-8867. Yes, sir. I don't know if y'all heard or not, but the mayor has uh, issued a new proclamation. Uh, just the other day, uh, Friday, I think it was, that uh, everybody that's uh, worried about this uh, virus should eat a watermelon for Is the 4th right? of July. Yeah. I didn't know that. that yeah. I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, it was it was uh, uh, kind of swept under the, under the rug, yeah. so to speak. But uh, to... to <laughs> To all the cabin looking at me like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. anyway, anyway, the... How can you tell that differently? Is it, <laughs> it's normal. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, got, I wrote an article. Uh, I forgot to mention it yesterday. And uh, I, I had, it, had it written for years on uh, seedless watermelons and uh, where, they, where they're from and uh, things like that. How they are produced? How do you grow them from seed when they're seedless? There you go. That's that's the. Uh, that's 20, why people read, read the article. Right. Yeah. But uh, that's all the way. It's under topics of the month, second heading in red, on the right side of the pay, uh, front page on seedless watermelon. And. Uh, that that's uh, seedless watermelon is pretty well taking the market because uh, people don't want to spit those seeds, Milton. I know spitting is not uh, not uh, culturally correct. I was remembering when we had uh, Jeremy over here for the they, the Fourth of July watermelon spitting guy. You're showing your age. I know, yeah, Milton. Does Jeremy remember that? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, does he? Okay. <laughs> But anyway, and uh, so you might want to look at that article. It's got a, it's quite a long article, as Calvin might uh, mention. And it shows, uh, shows how we do a watermelon testing. And at the very end, um, it shows uh, carvings. 
on watermelons. Hmm. Uh, kind of like they do pumpkin. Yeah. Oh, hey, cool. Wow. Yeah. If I remember right, too, this it's a good article. That is neat. Yeah, a good article to get a feel for that uh, yeah. hybridization. Yeah. And, yeah. I'll give you and, the spec. Uh, and how I'll give you, you the turn it page. How you, know. have, uh, you have seeds from the generation you pl- you plant those seeds but the but the plants that are produced these that are you harvest don't have any seeds and yeah. so so these it's a real, real interesting story yeah these some talented people carving this thing oh yeah i think that was uh, from china uh some of the writings in chinese but uh let's see yeah i've seen that article yeah but uh this year, I was uh, looking looking through the internet and found a uh, a new a new article, a different article, which I put at the end of this article. Uh, three tips to pick out a sweet watermelon. Uh, a, a typically. A producer measures the sweetness of a watermelon by the bricks count, a way to measure sweetness. On this scale of measurements, 10 are standard, and measurements of 11 are considered very sweet. So uh, our extension vegetable specialist in the valley, uh, uh, and he's a professor too, uh, talks about that this year's uh, watermelon sweetness, especially from those, uh, the Rio Grande Valley, is off the charts between 11 and 13. Now, unfortunately, we didn't have, we usually test about 20, 25 varieties of watermelon. Uh, and the, but we didn't do it this year. We usually grow them out there with food bank people. Uh, they, he gives three tips to teach you how to pick the best watermelon. Okay. Uh, now, he's talking about whole watermelons. All right, so you, uh, you walk into the store, there's a big big bin of them. A big, you do what? You yeah. walk into the store, there's a big bin of them. Yeah, and uh, most people like the ones that are already cut up. Yeah, because they can see them or why? <laughs> yeah, because they can see them. Well, and they're just easier to store, and yeah, and uh, picking a, a ripe, really ripe, nice melon is not not easy. Um, but find the uh, for, uh, tip one: find the yellow belly or the field spot of the, on the melon. In other words, when you when you walk walk in and uh, turn a melon over, yeah, the uh, You'll see there's a yellow. It's yellow on the bottom. Should be yellow on the bottom. It's white before it it gets ripe. The spot is white, and then it turns yellow as the melon gets uh, riper. Is it? What did it turn when it's too ripe? <laughs> well, uh, it doesn't. Mush. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. The. Uh, if it is ripe, the color should be a creamy, almost butter yellow, like yellow. The bigger the yellow belly, and the cre- creamier the color, means the more time the melon spent ripening on the vine. Okay. 
And if you pick a green melon, the seedless melon, and bring it in, it it may have the yellow belly on it a little bit, but if you picked it too green, it uh, you can taste it that that it uh, has a green flavor to it. And then uh, we we've done this in past years. Says tip two is tap the underbelly. That's where the yellow spot is. Mm-hmm. And listen for a deep sound. Oh, I didn't know that's where you're supposed to tap it. Uh, so <laughs> I thought you could tap it anywhere. Yeah, I think you can. Uh, another way to is, is lightly knock the outside with your knuckles. A ripe melon will have a deeper sound as opposed to an overripe one that will have a more hollow or flat sound. Okay. And uh, we've we've done that on the air. Remember, Milton? Mm-hmm. Years ago, a duller, hollower sound can mean the flesh is starting to go soft and spoil. In other words, overripe. Oh, okay. Uh, and and one that's green, it'll it'll ring. The when you thump it or, or slap it, the, the uh, sound is green. It's uh, uh, it rings. It uh, it's uh, uh, if it's green. And look for a dull and heavy watermelon. How do you know? Uh, okay. <laughs> although uh, although it may not be be the most photogenic or the easiest to take to your car, the best watermelon will be dull in appearance and heavier than the rest. A shiny melon indicates the insides are underripe. Also, also, the best melon of a bunch will be most likely be heavier than the rest. On an average, a watermelon is 92% water, which makes them so juicy. A heavier melon likely holds more water, which makes it juicier. But anyway, uh, I added that to the watermelon write-up, and uh, and uh, they also mentioned uh, don't just buy a watermelon for the variety it is. Okay. Uh, and they, inevitably, when you're talking to older people, the watermelon they remember is is black diamond. They love that black diamond. What about Charleston Gray? <clears throat> yeah, well, Charleston Gray is around too. But uh, the black diamond used to be the main watermelon in Tennessee. And in Min- well, I think well, Minnesota the, too. They, they would <laughs> people would load their wagons up and uh, drive with black, full of black diamonds and drive them into town and sell them on the square but uh and people ask for black diamond today when versa farms used to sell watermelon uh that was the main question that they would get have you got any black diamond well no they don't have any black diamond because black diamond had seed oh and <laughs> nobody wants. Seed. And uh, also, we've grown it and compared it with the uh, seedless watermelon, and they, uh, the black diamond is never as sweet 
and as firm flesh fleshed as is the seedless watermelon. So uh, seedless is improved and uh, makes it easier on the consumer. Uh, and it's worth it just to go to Plant Answers for those carvings. That's pretty, <laughs> those are those are amazing. Yeah, they are. Uh, right. People have carved. Uh, I think it's Chinese. 210-308-8867 is our number, 210-308-8867. But if you've got things around your home, maybe if you're uh, spending a lot of time there and you're seeing more bugs uh, and you don't want to celebrate and have them watch TV with you and watch the fireworks, <laughs> well, give Spider-Man Termite and Pest Control a call tomorrow on Monday and have them come over and take a look. And uh, Spider-Man Pest Control, Warren Remy's been doing this since 1976. Goodness, that was doesn't seem like that long ago, uh, but it, it was. And uh, uh, so the thing I like about Warren, uh, we've mentioned a couple things, but Warren is the, uh, you talk to Warren and you say, well, I was talking to this guy from this pest control company. They were calling me because they were having trouble with this. And it's like, wow, so other pest control? Yep, they, they call them. Uh, and uh, so you can go straight to the source, Warren Remy and Spider-Man Termite and Pest Control. Uh, they do all kinds of pest control from roaches to mosquitoes. Uh, if you've got a mosquito problem, they've got a number of ways to address it. Uh, some are organic, some are uh, sprays, and some are little baiting systems, like the Into Care Mosquito Trapping System, which you'll see more online when you go to GoSpiderManPest.com. That's GoSpiderManPest.com. You can check it out there. And... Um, I encourage you to learn more on the website or give them a call if you're ready at 210-656-3721. 210-656-3721. We'll take a break and come back in a moment. You're listening to Millburgers Gardening South Texas with Dr. Jerry Parsons and Dr. Calvin Finch. I'm Milton Glick. We're here at Millburgers at 1604 on Bull Road. Come join us and visit with us. And we'll talk to you in a moment on 930 AM, The Answer. Milton Glick from Millburgers Landscape Nursery at 1604 on Bull Road. I want to tell you about some of the items on sale this week. We've got some of your favorites that are now on sale and some that you haven't seen on sale in a long time. Let's start off with one of your favorites, the foxtail fern. When we had it on sale a couple of weeks ago, it was so very, very popular. And now it's on sale again in the number one container for just $5.88 or two for $10. The same goes true for Blue Plumbago. They were just moving out the door. They're absolutely gorgeous, and that's why they're on sale in the number one container for just four eighty-eight. This week at Millburgers, you'll save on Mexican Bird of Paradise. Bicolor irises are on sale. I haven't seen these on sale in a long time. In the number one container, now just four eighty-eight. You'll save on crepe myrtles, thoralis, and much, much more, including Lynn's Legacy and Silverado Sinisa for just eighteen eighty-eight in the number five container at Millburgers Landscape Nursery, sixteen oh four on Boulevardy Road. Learn more at MillburgerNursery.com. Millburgers Gardening South Texas on 930 AM, The Answer. We're live at Millburgers Landscaping and Nursery at 1604 on Bull Road. Give us a call. Be a part of the show. Tell us what's going on in your gardening world at 930 AM at 210-308-8867. 210-308-8867. What else you got going on there? I got a beautiful picture from uh, Washington State yesterday. 
uh, of uh, of the uh, Blue Angel Hibisco. Oh. I sent one. I sent one up there, and it was in it was in full bloom. Blooms from the bottom to the top. Uh, big blooms in Washington State. Did they know we were talking about it, or is this coincidental? <laughs> no, I, I said, Jim, my son-in-law's mother came oh. down, and I had some little ones. And so I sent sent uh, a white one back and a blue one back with her to Washington State. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said the white one didn't come back after the winter, oh. but the blue one has come back and is strong. That's good. So uh, she sent a picture, and it was like I said, it was full of bloom from top to bottom, just just like the original mother was, <laughs> when when we found the original uh, from Doctor Sam McFadden, uh, who's passed away now, is uh, was in Tennessee. Uh, what grabbed my attention about this hibiscus was it was blooming from the top to the bottom. Hmm. And no other of his hibiscuses were blooming. And uh, he was wanting to show me the one that had the biggest hibiscus bloom he'd ever seen, Althea. Excuse me, I'm talking yeah. Althea. And, uh, but it never bloomed. Oh. And he walked by the one that was blooming from top to bottom which eventually became Blue Angel, uh, to this one tall bush that he said had the biggest althea bloom he'd ever produced, but it doesn't bloom. I said, no, Sam. Yeah. It's a- <laughs> Dr. McFadden, we got to think about it. Why did you walk by this one full of bloom? To one that has no blooms on it. She said, well, that was the first one to bloom. And that one's been blooming ever since. I said, yeah. <laughs> Sam, Dr. Sam was not a marketing specialist. Yeah. So uh, we brought it, we brought it, brought some cuttings back to Texas and uh, rooted it. And played with it for several years, and then gave it to uh, Greenleaf Nursery to propagate. And uh, it's been going strong ever since, uh, thanks to Dr. McFadden. Hmm. But uh, and Trace was talking about that yesterday. That's why I wondered why he, they. Yeah, he said he's. Uh, he sent you the picture. He said he got a few blues left of the blue, blue angel, but he mostly has white angel. Yeah. Uh, available. And uh, the the white one blooms later. It's got big blooms, uh, nice blooms. It blooms later than the blue angel. So <laughs> when you're selling them and you got white and blue yeah, mixed together, the blue's gonna blue's gonna sell first, and then the white will come along. Anyway, uh, that's Althea. Uh, Althea or Rose of Sharon, a lot of people call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we got a question in. Why is my hibiscus plant dropping so many of its blooms? Very few are opening. Every day it drops blooms, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, it does not even opening, huh? No. Uh, usually we answer that question as uh, as uh, the thrips. Yeah. A stupid uh, little worm, a little 
bugs. Yeah. Milton's one of Milton's favorite but, uh, pests. There you go. I always shake them, shake them on Milton. When yeah, I yeah thank you. Well, I now, now that we've got this six six foot yeah, spacing, you can't. can't shake yeah. on Milton. Well, well, you could if you had one of those normal stems. hibiscus uh, yeah. stems, because they're <laughs> out there uh, six feet. <laughs> no telling what Milton still got running around in his hair. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> at least uh, he's still got hair, huh, Milton? Yeah. <laughs> we talked about uh, thrips, not not causing the uh, bud uh, flower buds to open. But as far as dropping the buds, the blooms, uh, Neil Sperry approaches this. It uh, says these plants start setting their flower buds in late spring, while temperatures are comparatively cool and conditions are reasonably moist. Then when hot, dry weather arrives, they can't hang on to all the buds they have set, and they start aborting many of them just as a means of survival. Uh, well, that's what we found uh, when we were growing, the, trying to propagate the uh, Althea's Rosa Sharon's down here in, in Texas. Uh, they just didn't grow as fast as they did if we sent them up to uh, Arkansas. Well, it's cooler and cooler. Uh, anyway, uh, like, like Neil says, he says, you don't see the, see it happening nearly as often in the upper Midwest as you do here in the much warmer and drier Southwest. Um, with, with tropical hibiscus, and I think that's mainly what he's talking about, He, I, I've never seen... Uh, perennial hibiscus like flare and your red flare is blooming real good. Yeah. And uh, and some of those like Morgrande and uh, you name them all. Uh, I've never seen them drop buds when it's hot. But I think the tropical hibiscus the one with the shiny leaves uh, will that's common on it those, especially the ones growing in pots uh, uh, more so those growing in pots than those that we have planted in the garden bed. Pots in plants in pots tend to become root bound. They dry out much more rapidly than plants that have more or less of unlimited root root room in garden bed. Well, yeah, and, and it's logical too because we're we're talking about a quite often a black pot, a limited space, and then. You got to figure that, oh, I don't know, an inch or half an inch at least around the edges gets pretty yeah, hot. Yeah. The the root reservoir is even smaller than it looks like uh, if you take into account the whole container because of that, uh, um, the heat that gets hot on those containers. Yeah. Now I've. Uh, it also uh, says how so. What's your solution to bud drop with the hibiscus clam? Keep your plants watered thoroughly. If you have tropical hibiscus in pots, be sure to repot them when they become root-bound and move them to a spot where they'll get shade in the afternoon. I think that's the main key. Try to moderate the swings in moisture. 
But uh, like I said, perennial hibiscus uh, doesn't seem to have that problem. Uh, I've, n- I've never grown, well, I have grown perennial hibiscus in containers uh, like flare. And it's, ooh, it's specially, uh, it's specially, specially meant for containers because uh, it's a smaller growing plant. I always get a kick out of that because you, when you call it a smaller growing plant. <laughs> well, yeah. that's uh, that's uh, yeah, it's five only, to six. It's only seven feet tall. As well, <laughs> you know, it's not nine feet tall. Well, uh, thirteen feet tall. Uh, oh, that can yeah. You, you've never grown a more grande hibiscus, have you? No, uh, not not I recently. I need to get you one of those. Uh, that Confederate rose that. Yeah, it gets big yeah. too. Oh, man, that. Uh, Dorothy, yeah, no wonder she was kind of uh, mumbling when she gave it to me. You know, this is large, she says, says but you like it. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, it's a spectacular. Neil, uh, Neil got another question that I think that now is the time to ask it, and now is the time to answer it. Uh, is uh, what perennials can I plant that will bloom all summer long? I'm tired of having to replant annuals every year. Well, <laughs> you look at what they've got around here, what people are carrying out by the by the wagon loads, and you'll see basically what we have on sale uh, in this week. Uh, through July 6th. That's tomorrow, right? Yep. And we have uh, Blue Plumbago. That blooms all summer. Mm-hmm. Mine does. We have Mexican Bird of Paradise. Blooms all summer. Uh, we have Thryalis, which blooms all summer. And... Uh, I don't know if crepe myrtles could be put into that category or not. They, mm-hmm. they did. They bloom a long time in the summer, but I don't think they bloom all summer, do they? No, well, it depends on the variety too. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm looking over there at their. I guess we uh, plant that, that as perennial. much for the ground covers, uh, the foliage, as we do for the. It's blooming wonderfully right now. Yeah. Right. And uh, a lot of people are usually walking out with them, too. And it depends on how much shade you have, too. The, yeah. The bloom season is much longer if it's in full sun, but it's it's good even in the shade, and, of course, the makes a great ground cover. And what have we forgotten, Milton, that blooms all summer? Uh, lantana. Um, well, yeah, that's a good one. Zinnias? The main one, the <laughs> obvious <laughs> not, one. not perennials. Um, Obvious, Milton. I'm, now you made it tough. You see it all over the place. Gold Star Esperanza. There you go. Yeah. And they've got a bunch of them here, and they're in full bloom, which means they're a gold star. And uh, But they're not on sale this week, but they have been in the past week. There's a little black swallowtail. It's kind of spent. It's kind of faded there, Jerry, right by the corner there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see it there. Worn out. She's worn <laughs> out. All right. I don't well, think we've ever had 
as many butterflies as we did when I was uh, taking those pictures. Remember? Yeah, I, yeah. They run off the porch and take a picture. Yeah, somehow they didn't. We didn't seem to get as many after he started yeah. whispering to them. I wonder why. Yeah, they, they, they were they, whisper, they, 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 whispering to each other. Yeah, don't go near that. Avoid, yeah, avoid Stay that. Stay away from Parsons. <laughs> Probably during the week, there's lots of them. It's the weekends. Hey, we need to take a break, and while we do, we encourage you to give us a call, 210-308-8867, 210-308-8867. Toll free, it's 866-308-8867. And the website that Jerry was talking about is plantanswers.com. We also encourage you to go to millburgernursery.com, millburgernursery.com to learn more about all the things that we have on sale and all the events here at the nursery. I'm Milton Glick, back in a moment. Millburgers Gardening South Texas is sponsored by Millburgers Landscaping and Nursery on 930 AM, The Answer. We're back with Millburgers Gardening South Texas. Once again, Dr. Jerry Parsons, Dr. Calvin Finch, Milton Glick, and your calls on 930 AM, The Answer. And welcome back to Millburgers Gardening South Texas on 930 AM, The Answer. Our phone number, 210-308-8867. That's 210-308-8867. We got a text question in uh, from someone named Mike. And Mike wants to know, let's see if I can I plant fall tomatoes in the same soil in my 10 to 15 gallon containers used for spring tomatoes. Uh, miracle, miracle something bro potting soil. Sure. Oh, good. Well, yeah, and if you know, after maybe six or seven years, <laughs> and it depends on how much organic material is in potting. There's more and more organic material in potting mixes than there used to be. Yeah, Miracle grows a pretty good potting soil. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so it works fine. But you know, it never hurts to put a, add a little bit uh, compost to it, and of course, uh, refertilize. Uh, container is a little easier to maintain it once you get a good uh, mix. Um, but also, you don't want to forget in your raised beds, you want to. Replenish it with compost. At two inches is always a good mm. route every once a year at least. And then our 10 cups of uh, slow-release lawn fertilizer for every 100 square feet of bed. Because that's, you know, we're talking, even though it's fall tomatoes, we're talking about a high a p- a plant that requires a lot of nutrition. Yeah. Or if you're, if you're going to uh, maximize production, make, take full advantage of yeah. the production. And uh, There you go, Mike. Milton, if you want to use magic soil, yes, magic, it's magic, Milton, mm-hmm. magic soil, landscapers pride, gardeners, magic soil is on sale here at Millburgers. So that's an organic potting soil? Yeah. Okay. Completely now. organic blend of composted forest products. Enhanced with naturally organic fertilizer, blended for container garden. Oh, okay. Raised beds and in the ground use. Regularly six ninety nine. A bag. How big a bag? One point five cubic, cubic feet. feet. Okay. And uh, almost seven dollars a bag on sale for four eighty eight. Now, one thing that they 
that they left out, Milton, uh, yeah. uh, that, that we've had on sale before is those magic mycorrhiza. I know you like those. This one doesn't have mycorrhiza in it. You should like it then because you were all upset about those <laughs> yes, mycorrhiza. Yeah, I didn't want them loose in my garage. And this soy, this uh, mix is pretty coarse. So yeah, you, yeah. You want to, and then uh, just like uh, Jerry is prone to remind us all the time, if potting soil generally are not not high on nutrients. Right. So you definitely, if you're going to be successful, uh, you need to, to fertilize the heck out of the, the yeah, material. Yeah, osmocote when you first plant, which will last three months. Osmocote Plus, which will last three months. And then, uh, what, what did you use it? Every, every, every once a week, you may use you could, water you could, you, you could use it once a week. I, I generally am a once a month person. But, uh, remember, uh, remember these tomatoes that are grown and sold out here are fertilized every time they're watered. Now, they, but do they? They also, you know, we've also put a lot of osmocote in there too. So we've, yeah. we've got a combination of. You can't. You can't hardly. If you got a well-drained soil, you can't hardly over-fertilize them. No, that's true. So you can under-fertilize them real easy, yeah. and don't be fooled by it. Says, enhanced with naturally organic fertilizer. Now. Don't come up and tell me that your tomatoes didn't grow and the fruit didn't enlarge and everything else uh, that you didn't fertilize because it already said it had naturally organic fertilizer in it. That's not enough for tomatoes. So uh, you've got to use that supplemental uh, Osmocote Plus and... You can use a uh, water-soluble fertilizer uh, once a week, and uh, that'll that'll grow you a big tomato with a lot of fruit. Now, if you're gonna, we can uh, maybe change the subject a little bit. Mm-hmm. Next week, I'm uh, my article is going to be uh, a report on the birds and uh, other wildlife in the in the landscape, and of course, there's a lot of issues right now. Number number one is the Bird bass and a water source. Yeah, you talk, Jerry and I always talk about the evaporation and the f- fact that the birds splash the water out when it's a hundred degrees. Mm-hmm. You could you could be, you could fi- refill those uh, bird bass two to three times a day mm-hmm. if you wanted to. At, at least once a day, you need to refill them. And uh, it's really fascinating too because you uh, you may have had trouble getting birds. To observe at your bird feeder, but you probably won't have trouble getting them at your <laughs> at your bird baths. Yeah, the amazing thing is, I was I was looking uh, a couple of days ago, and there was just a little bit of water left in that in the bottom of that bird bath, uh, and that the birds were <laughs> after that little bitty puddle of water. And if you uh, want it. If you you get a recirculating pump, now some of the there's some solar powered ones, uh, and then there's also the just the plug-in ones, relatively inexpensive and they work they work slick, uh, easy to easy to use. I can't remember if Milberger's has some here. I know we've got a lot, a lot of nice bird bass, but uh, may have some of those pumps too. 
But our friends at Wild Birds, mm-hmm. Limited, they have uh, recirculating pumps. What's, uh, the, what's this deal on, uh, I don't know if it's been canceled yet or not, July 25th from 10 to 11, Backyard Birds. Is that you, Calvin? Mm. Teaching that? No, not, not unless <laughs> I haven't been told yet. Okay. We'll last trace. You don't know if that's been canceled or not? No, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, and then uh, our, next, our next blood uh, drive is August 8th mm. from 10 to 2. We also, uh, the yesterday we talked about the hummingbirds. The young are all coming off the nests now, and the, so you should see a lot more birds at your uh, sugar water feeder. Remember, four parts water to one part by volume sugar, and they... They should be uh, emptied and rinsed at least once a week. And you don't have to waste that sugar water. You just put that in a yeah open saucer and the butterflies and the bees. I mean, the birds, regular birds. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll be gone quickly. No no waste there. The birds uh, do best with a, a new, a new uh, container of uh, solution. And uh, they're fun. They're really fun to watch. So you're not going to give us another herb article? Huh? No, I'm You've not. Uh, no, no. It's going to be martins and <laughs> hummingbirds. And, uh, I'm going to be disappointed if you don't mention sparrows. Butterflies. Okay. I, I actually do mention. All right. I say <laughs> my inclination is to pull my houses down now because the martins... The young are leaving the nest, and uh, which is a, not a good deal. Not a good and, thing. Uh, and uh, the hummingbirds. Uh, I mean, uh, Bart, my neighbor Bart, who's got uh, a successful martin house too. He has the same inclination. The martins have left left to assemble, and the young are are getting instructed from their the parents. And the bir- the English sparrows just like. Moved right into those. Uh, there you go. They were avail- needing a nesting area uh, available to uh, produce young. It's re- it's really a, a, an interesting, complex, relatively complex uh, natural history. That's why so many people are fascinated by it. But they're the uh, young leave the nest and they go and meet with the uh, their parents for a few days. They come back, stay there, and then ge- gradually. Uh, by middle of July, most of them will be gone or at assembly points getting ready to go to South America. So but Everybody should remember that sparrows don't leave you. That's right. They do not abandon you. That's right. In, uh, fall or spring. And uh, they <laughs> especially like it with your, well, beside yeah, the birdhouses, they love the feeders, too. <laughs> uh, so that. That's uh, and then we we talk about uh, butterflies. I you know and we m- mention this uh, every year this time that uh, I don't know if it's a coincidence or if it's weather related or the fact that the martins are are leaving San Antonio, the butterfly populations jump way up. Oh. and the old days we used to say the martins uh, ate all those mosquitoes. Yeah. But uh, research uh, indicates that's not that not true. Their favorite foods include uh, moths, butterflies, moss, and uh, dragonflies. Oh, they love the yeah. dragonflies. Yeah. I've seen them. It's it's amazing to watch. You mean uh, you mean uh, the martins eat the butterflies? Oh yeah. 
And uh, oh the, hell no, Milton. <laughs> and dragon. Guess what uh, doesn't need butterflies? Dragonflies. Sparrows. Sparrows. Oh, <laughs> sparrows don't eat butterflies, do they, Captain? Uh, no. Well, there they you go. Know. See, they eat. Uh, they like the sun, They like the sunflower seeds and the zinnia seeds. Yeah, I'm so, telling you, oh. the gardens are getting too much publicity. They have better press for, for butterfly eating and. They are leaving the nest and everything. Else. Much better promotional people. <laughs> if you didn't get enough uh, herb information from Calvin's two articles this week and last week uh, on Saturday, uh, I have a. I finally found the Growing Herbs in Texas article by one of uh, Calvin and my uh, friends, uh, Vince Menino who used to be the county horticulturist in Galveston, was it get No, Beaumont. in Beaumont. I couldn't, I can't remember where it was. Yeah, it's Beaumont. Yeah, he was great. He's a great horticulturist. Yeah, and uh, then he went up, turned into administrator. He kind of followed your, uh, your deal. But uh, anyway, he wrote practically a book on... Uh, Growing herbs in Texas, and I've got a link to it on uh, plantanswers.com, and the, it's the first listing and topics of the month in red. It says growing herbs in Texas, uh, just above the uh, seedless watermelon right up, and uh, uh, the, the it's a uh, it may take you a little while to download it on your computer. Because it's a, I guess, PDF file. I forget the file they call it. Where they didn't actually enter it, they uh, scanned it. But uh, it's got recipes in there, and it's got uh, color pictures of all the herbs in there, too. And uh, I, I found an article that that we'd written uh, a while back on uh, growing herbs in the fall. Because there's some you can grow in the fall. Yeah, we we generally not, identify not herbs in the as spring. We are, spring. most most herbs are either uh, cool weather herbs or hot weather herbs. Yeah, of course there's some that uh, grow all year, and uh, but that you know it's an interesting story. Just lots and lots of people are because uh, of the uh, change in the situation because of the COVID. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're they're easy to grow. They're yeah. easy to grow. And you can have uh, just a few containers and uh, yeah. really have a major impact. Yeah, you don't need a lot of <laughs> foliage to put season your food. Yeah, you do. More, if you have uh, one rosemary, you you can yeah, oh, feel, yeah. feel or one bay tree, bay laurel. <laughs> now some some of uh, some of the things uh, you can use more of chives and. Uh, Oh, what is, what is the the basil? Mint. The basil. I like to use mint in my tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just put uh, if you want an adventure, just put some uh, mint in a uh, uh, in a uh, raised bed. There you and, go. And stand stand back for about three <laughs> Easy days. Easy to three, grow. Three days, and you'll have a raised bed full of mint. Yeah, when people uh, call in and want to grow, they live in an apartment. And they want to grow a, a garden inside the apartment. Well, I always say about, about the only thing you can grow in a sunny window is uh, is an herb. 
certain certain types of the herbs. So uh, I guess they have a place. I always tell people that herbs are vegetables that didn't make it uh, to be the whole to be in the category of vegetables. But that's where I uh, landed this article that uh, Vince wrote is in the under vegetables. That's so, why it took you so long to find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I had to do for a, a web search for it. <laughs> and your, <laughs> own, your own, own thing. Of course, I guess that thing's your plantanswers.com has been in place for what 30, oh, 30 years. Huge, yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, now, one thing before we leave it, um, the the uh, fertilizing of tomatoes two weekends ago uh, weekend before last, <laughs> uh, Calvin wrote a great article on fall growing fall tomato. And uh, as I remember, the fertilizer recommendation was 1959, slow-release slow fertilizer, which, which a lot of people have already around because they use it in their lawn and on all the plant material. So... Um, uh, looking at Neil Sperry's recommendation, and he's he's gone nuts over this no phosphorus. And he says use an all nitrogen fertilizer each time that you feed your tomato. Now we used to recommend that we're <laughs> using ammonium sulfate. Now I don't know if you can get that or not anymore. Uh, it seems like they took it off the market. Trace said. But uh, we people had a te- had an ability. Oh well, isn't that a the, premonition? <laughs> no, not premonition. That's the ammonium sulfate is the thing <laughs> they use for an explosive. So. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, people had a tendency to dump that uh, ammonium sulfate on the base of those mm-hmm. plants. Uh, I don't know if there is. On the market, I know we don't. I don't think we have it here. There's not a all nitrogen slow release fertilizer, and so if you if you use that, that ammonium sulfate and dumped it on the base, uh, right really close to the plant, it'd kill the plant. Yeah, I, I've had I had gardeners kill their entire tomato crop with that. Mm-hmm. So we went. We've quit recommending ammonium sulfate, which is all nitrogen, and gone to nineteen five nine. What is I? Is iron plus have anything besides iron and, and nitrogen in it? I don't think so. Yeah. But uh, of course, it's not slow release. Yeah. So that you know that would have some potential if you. Of course, it's just a good good idea not to put. Your fertilizer right at the base of your plant on hey, any, on any kind, any, any yeah. Fertilizer, yeah. Um, Neil writes: It has been found that Texas garden soils have accumulated excessive amounts of phosphorus. That's not true. Uh, the, for those of us who know the rest of the story, that is a deal that's been. Uh, purported, reported by the soil lab that was using uh, a, a soil analysis 
that reported uh, high rates of phosphorus in alkaline soils when they were testing alkaline soils. Not so in acid soils, but all of our soils are alkaline. So it came back with a high phosphorus rating. Uh, he said, many soils have so much phosphorus that it is a detrimental effect on the plant. Now, what would that be? Have you ever seen detrimental effects on plants from phosphorus? I don't know. I don't know what that would do. <laughs> uh, we must not add any more, says Neil. So uh, the safest way to do it uh, is use the 1959 uh, slow-release fertilizer form, and it only has uh, it has 19% nitrogen, and it has uh, uh, five five percent uh, of that horrible phosphorus. A phosphorus source. Yeah. And uh, and the uh, nine of the uh, of, of potassium. Now phosphorus is not uh, a problem. A phosphorus deficiency is not a problem in uh, hot soils or in uh, hot temperatures. It, it is un, unavailable in the spring uh, when the soil temperatures are cool because that's why we use starter solutions with our tomatoes in the spring. So uh, just that tip. All right, 210-308-8867, 210-308-8867. Milton Glick along with Dr. Calvin Finch and Dr. Jerry Parsons. We're live here at Millburgers Landscape Nursery at 1604 on Bull 40 Road. We're going to take a break right now, so why don't you give us a call, 210-308-8867. More of the show after this on 930 AM, The Answer. Milton Glick for Millburgers Landscape Nursery at 1604 and Bull Road. I want to tell you about some of the items on sale this week. We've got some of your favorites that are now on sale and some that you haven't seen on sale in a long time. Let's start off with one of your favorites, the foxtail fern. When we had it on sale a couple of weeks ago, it was so very, very popular. And now it's on sale again in the number one container for just $5.88 or two for $10. The same goes true for Blue Plumbago. They were just moving out the door. They're absolutely gorgeous, and that's why they're on sale in the number one container for just $4.88. This week at Millburgers, you'll save on Mexican Bird of Paradise. Bicolor irises are on sale. I haven't seen these on sale in a long time. In the number one container, now just $4.88. You'll save on crepe myrtles, thoralis, and much, much more, including Lynn's Legacy and Silverado Sinisa for just $18.88 in the number five container. At Millburgers Landscape Nursery, 1604 on Boulevard Road. Learn more at millburgernursery.com. And welcome back to Millburgers Gardening, South Texas, on 9.30 a.m. The answer, 210-308-8867, 210-308-8867. Hey, here's an idea. We're having a little trouble with our phones right now. It looks like Al's uh, got everybody working on it. But if you've got a question you want us to answer on there, you can email me, Milton, M-I-L-T-O-N, at K-L-U-P dot com, Milton, 
at klup.com, and I'm checking my emails, and I'll be happy to to relay the question. We'll see if we can answer it. Milton at klup.com. All right. Okay. So we won't we won't give out the number right now. <laughs> oh, let's. And that just hurts me. I'd like to give out the number. Let's give out a weird number. Now, yeah. if you're folks out there looking for uh, color, mm-hmm. uh, we mentioned zinnias. You know, you still got we got the we got three different sizes of zinnias, and uh, the the smaller ones that Jerry mentioned. What, what was that uh, Latin? For that um, name a, started uh, with an A. Uh, Augifolia. Augifolia. They're they're uh, the most drought tolerant, and then of course the bigger flowers you have, the the more careful you got to be about watering them. But they're they love the heat and the full sun, but they also need water. But then we haven't mentioned vincas, I don't think today yet. No, I don't think so. But they're on sale. And that that's another uh, great Texas superstar. Great hot weather, full sun plant. And uh, the difference there, now some places the deer won't eat zinnia, but uh, I don't think we know of any places where they'll, they'll eat vinca. So if you got a... Right. And vinca, vinca is also less... Zinnias will break. If you, if you put uh, zinnias in a, in a place where deer walk, they have a tendency to get, uh, get broken down, whereas the, vinca, the vincas manage to survive. They're a little more flexible. But... Uh, you haven't seen vincas, these red, coral vincas, yeah. red and the white ones are very, I've, got, I've planted them in uh, all different size containers, and they, they really make a, quite a show, fill, they fill whatever container you let them, and they're very drought tolerant, so you might, you might want to try that vinca if you haven't ever tried it before, and oh, and then we got, of course, moss roses and uh, purslane. Yeah, uh, lots of lots of other. They do very well in the sun. Uh, well, uh, we we kind of discussed the last couple of days that uh, about this uh, Silver Falls dichondra, mm-hmm. which is on sale now. It's called uh, Silver Pony Foot, and uh, we don't we don't know if the deer will eat it or not. I don't think they'll eat it because, uh, like I said, it's a native. Yeah, well, that, yeah. if anybody out there has had that experience experience with it, yeah. let us know and verify that because it's been a while since we've talked about it, and I can't remember. I'm, I'm kind of with you, Jerry. I think it's... Uh, it's, such a, it's a native deer. and it grows out amongst the deer, so I don't think they eat it. <laughs> so, now, of course, we can identify some natives that they do eat. But, yeah. Uh, the, uh, and what, what would be pretty, uh, if you wanted to try it, is uh, this uh, uh, Silver Fall uh, the po- pony Dichondra foot? Yeah. Ponyfoot uh, under or in amongst uh, Vika. Hmm. Yeah, you like it. You kind of like to surround yeah, it. Yeah. I'm thinking it also might look good in, in a, a layers a bit, a, a row, that silver foot, and you know, as a ground cover. That that's basically a permanent ground cover. Yeah. And then have a, have a row, of the vinca. There, like the the red one, the red one especially. Yeah. Really show, really a, a glow. It's your covers, real quickly and and completely. And uh, 
And then you could plant in the wintertime, you could plant stock or something yeah. in that same spot. And I, I saw, like I said, they've got it planted at the drive through at Cane's yeah. Chicken Place. And uh, the uh, I see some grass up, up encroaching on it. And so I imagine you could take that grass out with a uh, uh, with, uh, fusillade-type product, a yeah. uh, post or... Uh, grass be gone. Or grass be gone, yeah. And, then, and not hurt the ponytail. Yeah. That's easy, easy to use. Now, there, uh, Trace reminds us that uh, each of those products has a different tolerance uh, and a reaction to the heat. So yeah, you want to che- check that. My experience has been that they might be a little slower. Yeah. Uh, some yeah, of them. It's slower than Roundup. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but eventually, you know, if you spray that on them, uh, especially spray it on in the morning or in the yeah. evening, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stop growing. Yeah. That Ber- be right. Bermuda grass. And it may take it, it may take two weeks to kill it, but... Uh, it's you're, you're not going to the progress in taking over your pony foot is not going to be is not going to continue. There's another plant that lady's got in her her wagon over there. So see those firecracker plants bushes in there? I missed them. No, they're in gallons, I guess. And oh, okay. they're they're a perennial that'll bloom all summer. Think about it. Perennial? Yeah. And then they, what, do they freeze back or they just, uh, what do they, they do? They, they, they come back from the root. Yeah, okay. They're perennial. And she had <laughs> firecracker plant and uh, also had uh, uh, dwarf realia in the same wagon. So that's going to make a pretty combination. Yeah. And, of course, the dwarf realia, most years, they don't, they don't even freeze back. They just yeah have foliage. If it does, if it does freeze back, it'll freeze back to a crown like uh, pro, uh, structure, and then it'll relief from that crown uh, next this fall and spring when the soil temperature warms. Uh, so yeah. anyway, uh, lots of different salvias out there too. Yeah, you? yeah. There's some some versions of. Uh, well, there's indigo spires. If you want a really one that really gets big and covers as much territory as you got available, and then there's Victoria. It's got a little, like a 12, 14 inch discipline looking plant. The blue flowers and uh, everything in between. Yeah. Um, both the mealy bush and the uh, Mexican bush sage. Mealy. Yeah, we talked about uh, Pavonia a little yesterday. And uh, we, I, it, it sits, sits right in front of me, <laughs> and I watch. I've watched it all summer. Uh, it's pink, little pink flowers. It's called rock rose, also. And uh, I put out the call for our folks in Kerrville to talk, contact the lady that came up with a red pavonia. And I was going to get it patented, but I don't think she ever did. Uh, but uh, find out, have her call me or uh, email me or find out who she is, and I'll call her 
whatever happened to that red pavonia? I would like to help her get that on the market. I, I think she's given up on uh, trying to get it patented. Uh, she had a special name she wanted to call it, which is no problem. But uh, it's, it, it appeared in her yard, it magically appeared in her yard, and it was a red pavonia. Hmm. And I was not noticing over there there's uh, firebush. We haven't talked a lot about firebush. No. There's yeah. a, 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 the market is getting a little more complex than it used to be for firebush. That's for sure. And uh, they got a dwarf. Yeah. Now this one, uh, this one is looks like it's got stayed in bloom, and I didn't. Know yeah, it is. Have you checked it? Is this the dwarf or is this the? That's the dwarf. And and it's doing a good job of blooming, huh? Yeah. Well, the problem is the blooms are smaller, which uh-huh. is expected on a on a dwarf. But uh, for those that want to try to grow it in a container on the patio or something. The dwarf may be a, a good option. Or even on a, a row. Of course, we don't think of regular firebush in a... Well, I guess we think of it in the background sometimes. As, oh, yeah. Because uh, it gets so big, but this one it has a pretty compact, disciplined look. Yeah. And it's uh, it's blooming now. Uh, we've cut our, we cut ours to the ground every year. Uh and uh, when we don't cut it to the ground, uh, like we did last, didn't last year, uh, it turns into a weedy mess because uh, the weeds uh, come up before the uh, firebush comes out of the starts sprouting and blooming. But uh, it's overtaking it now. It's it's uh, they they're gonna be five to six feet tall if not taller and uh, full of blooms mm-hmm. and they seem to bloom especially when the hummingbirds migrate through. yeah that fall migration that's if you got one of those uh, in a container like I do on the patio in full sun you can expect the toughest hummingbird among the fall <laughs> migrants and of course it changes because the migration migrating birds are coming through and coming back through and uh, it just uh, adds to the interest in the, the dog fights between the three, the, not just black chin, but of course we get the rufous and the ruby throat. And in fact, that little rufous hummingbird is generally the toughest of the of the hummingbirds that visit us during migration. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah, it's this good time to get that settled in. Uh, get 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 that firebush in a container. I was thinking of uh, about. Now, five a five gallon container works works fine, I think. Uh, yeah. For you know, you could could have it a little bigger if you want, but uh, that that works fine. In a container, the 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 plant does not get the the large size that Jerry's talking about. It uh, has a different personality in a container. Yeah. It is not as drought tolerant as one of one of the personality characteristics because probably. Because the fiber, the fibrous root is not as efficient in a container as it is out there in a the landscape. I, w- I wanted them to call the original firebush uh, Laredo, because that's where we got the original cuttings was from uh, Gentry's Garden Center in Laredo. But uh, we never have renamed it or got the names changed, uh, which would uh, which would. Uh, 
differentiate it from this store. Uh-huh. And uh, th- there's also a firebush on the market. I think Greg Grant brought it back from Belize uh, that produces a seed, a little berry. And, uh, of course, it's a weed down there uh, in all the ditches, and they fight it every day. Uh, but uh, one man's weed is another man's yeah. beautiful flower. Blue bonnets are the best example, I guess. Speaking of weeds, uh, somebody wrote in and said, We have a bed of butterfly weed. The butterfly weed. Uh, but this weed, he says, sent a picture, is also there. It looks so much like butterfly weed that it's hard for us to determine which needs to be pulled. So, uh, that the the wild ones, the uh, what is it? Native uh, fog, uh, something horn. Oh, antelope horn. Antelope horn. And those things do look like weeds. Yeah, you know. And are weeds in the ditches. Yeah. You should be able to tell them, especially as the summer progresses. They get <laughs> they get pretty wild and reckless. Yeah. And fall over sometimes. Yeah. They're so tall. And But the uh, one I like the best is the tropical one. Yeah. Because it's pretty all summer. That's right. And, you know, the... It is also the one that the uh, butterfly, the monarchs, seem to like best. Yeah. If, you're, if they have a choice, they quite often will pick the tropical to lay their eggs. Yeah. And it blooms all the time, and it's a smaller plant, too, than the regular ones. Well, then, the, yeah, then the antelope horn. There's also the the uh, tuberosa, which a lot of people call butterfly weed, which is a, even, is a native, but it's smaller. Not chosen very often to be a breeding site for monarchs, but the uh, blooms are pretty. They look a little bit like tropical, but they're just a plain orange. And uh, they are a favorite stopover of uh, monarchs and queens and all kinds of uh, butterflies. So get get, uh, get whatever... uh, Whatever milkweed you can get to grow in your yard, go ahead yeah. and do it, and it'll uh, help us uh, maintain that monarch population. Let's take a break. While we do, give us a call, 210-308-8867, 210-308-8867. More of Milberger's Gardening South Texas coming up. Live from Milberger's Landscape Nursery at 1604 on Bull Road. You can email your questions to Milton at KLUP.com today, M-I-L-T-O-N at KLUP.com. More in a moment on 930 AM, The Answer. It's Milton Glick from Milberger's Landscape Nursery at 1604 on Bull Road. I want to tell you about some of the items on sale this week. We've got some of your favorites that are now on sale and some that you haven't seen on sale in a long time. Let's start off with one of your favorites, the foxtail fern. When we had it on sale a couple of weeks ago, it was so very, very popular. And now it's on sale again in the number one container for just five eighty-eight or two for $10. The same goes true for Blue Plumbago. They were just moving out the door. They're absolutely gorgeous, and that's why they're on sale in the number one container for just four eighty-eight. 
This week at Millburgers, you'll save on Mexican Bird of Paradise. Bicolor irises are on sale. I haven't seen these on sale in a long time. In the number one container, now just four eighty-eight. You'll save on crepe myrtles, thoralis, and much, much more, including Lynn's Legacy and Silverado Sinisa. For just eighteen eighty eight, the number five container at Millburgers Landscape Nursery, sixteen oh four on Boulevardy Road. Learn more at millburgernursery dot com. And welcome back to Millburgers Gardening, South Texas on nine thirty a.m. The Answer two one zero. 308-8867, 210-308-8867, toll free, it's 866-308-8867. Still trying to get those phone lines to work, so if you're having trouble getting in, email me your question. Milton at klup.com, Milton at klup.com. All right, what else you got going on over there, Jerry? That lady's looking for lavender. Yeah, I think you tried to discourage her, but... I just told her that it would die yeah. <laughs> during the hot summer. There's a lot of... Yeah. I deal in truth here, Milton. We need a lavender substitute. <laughs> Where's... And do we have fanic flocks? I'm trying to see if we do. I haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't seen fanic flocks in a long time. No, no. We, we, you, we had some early in the spring, because you remember we were talking about it. Yeah, that's right. Smelling like uh, lilac. Right. But, uh, yeah, Fanny. Fanny's foxes in my yard is really blooming up a storm. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Looks good. Save the seeds. <laughs> no, it doesn't come true. Oh, man. You, but, know, uh, the, you know where it does really the best in those? I just kind of planted it in corners of... Uh, the half whiskey barrels. Hmm, that'd be nice. Oh yeah. Taking over the whole whiskey barrel. Yeah, they've got they spread by root division. Yeah. There. And cuttings, of course. And you can. You're right. It smells like lilac. It's, yeah. You can. Remember the first time we had it out here? Yeah. <laughs> and we mentioned that. That just reminds me of lilac, and it was. No, oh, it was gone in yeah, like yeah. 45 minutes. And I see. I don't know what lilac smell like, because uh, I uh, we didn't have them in Tennessee, but you had them up north. Yeah, lilacs that we're talking right. about. They're pretty close. That, that's pretty close to the fragrance for sure. And if somebody if somebody comes in here asking for lilacs, you can just bet they're from the north, because uh, they, they that's where they grow up there. And that's what I was telling that lady. I said. Mighty hot and alkaline soil down here for lilacs. Yeah. Well, they had that. Oh, they had a, uh, one selection, a variety. It was a uh, kind of a nat, uh, kind of a rough and ready yeah. lilac. It wasn't it wasn't didn't match the the bloom power or the size of the regular lilacs. Yeah. But what uh, am I talking about, Milton? What? We have a lilac uh, festival. I know. Don't we? And they have lilacs. And and your friend, <laughs> who's the friend that I always tell her to bring me pictures? Marcy. And- uh, Marcy, there you go. I don't I, think I, I've got any pictures from her yet. I'm not sure you can take that as a uh, <laughs> as indication a, as indication of whether they're they're doing well up there in Blanca or not. <laughs> I think it's a Blanca. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've been up there. Yeah. And <laughs> have you not seen anything? Yeah, they sell uh, during the Lilac Festival. They sell young plants, very small plants. Oh, okay. And they sell all the stuff that they import in, bring in. Do they try to sell our Texas lilac? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> or or our uh, Phoenix fox that smells like lilac? Yeah, no, they don't. No, they should. Or on lavender. Lavender, yeah. Okay. All right, two one zero. Well, two one zero three zero eight eighty eight sixty seven or Milton at klup. dot com. <laughs> I knew he couldn't stop giving that phone. I can't. I've been giving it for how many years now? <laughs> well, at least 20. Yeah. More than that, 20. Oh, no, him, yeah. yeah. From, uh, We've outlived one. Uh, yeah, that's right. I don't know how long Philip was with us. Was he, I think uh, four, four three, or five years? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We got a question in... Uh, on plantanswers.com, uh, Forrest, Forrest Appleton answered and uh, Yay, Forrest. And uh, sent it on to me and, and David Rodriguez. Uh, the question is, I have tomatoes in a 30-gallon container with holes drilled in the bottom. I water every other day. My highly intelligent neighbor, now I'm not making this up, says I should only water once a week. This is my neighbor. This is my neighbor really intelligent about, is my tomato, is my my neighbor really intelligent about tomatoes? Now, Forrest uh, yeah, it's okay. ha- handles this very That's well. For, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Forrest handles yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> what did Forrest say? Uh, I, would, I, I cannot uh, determine the intelligence yeah. of your neighbor. However, I will tell you. There you go. That's what he said. <laughs> Forrest answers. I wouldn't know about your neighbor. There you go, Forrest. Well done. He doesn't use dumbass in there no, at all. He doesn't. Man. Good Forrest is a good man. <laughs> if the tomato doesn't need water more than once a week, then he would be right. Hmm. However, you cannot put a time on this. You should water your plants thoroughly until water runs out the bottom of the container, and then do not water again until the soil feels dry to the touch when you stick your finger in it about two inches deep. Also, uh, you have to consider the size of the tomato. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the a good plant. point. Yeah. Because uh, they'll need more water the bigger they get. And the characteristics of the potting soil, too. You know, I've seen some that's uh, much, that really drains too well. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and others that uh, drains well, but... Uh, not over not overly amount. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of the plants that we sell here at the nursery are grown. They well, they're all grown in containers, and those the growers are using a lighter mix. Shipping that drains extremely well mm. in those containers, so the customers can carry them to the car, or get them to the car. I know. Uh, of Mr. Aldrich, Aldrich Nursery out here around Vaughn Army, used to have pots 
that uh, I, I think you just put uh, regular soil in them or sand, and you can hardly lift them. Mm-hmm. No. Have you ever lifted one of Dorothy Wheaties' pots? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now, there are some. I'm thinking of cyclemen where they've got a, they use a heavier mix. Yeah. And, of course, the the price reflects the two. Part of it is a lot of them come from Colorado. But, yeah. But uh, that they use that uh, light soil, as light as they can get away with in terms of the plant still doing well. Which means it has to be watered more. Yeah. But uh, you know, when you pick up one of Dorothy Wheaties' <laughs> pots... Get yeah, some exercise. Yeah, yeah. yeah she uh, she uh, she always wants to uh, take it to the car for you. Of course, here here I am, big strong guy, wanting this uh, frail little lady to take uh, take the pot to the car. I used to feel that way. Now that I've lifted her pots, I let her load my pots <laughs> in the truck. So uh, she's using that old timey mix. Uh, where where you put soil clay, in there? Clay and things, yeah. Yeah, but it it works for her, I guess. I has all these years. Uh, for sure. The uh, another question is the pods now hanging from my new mountain laurel seed tree is a laurel tree clusters of these pots. Do I remove them or let them remain? And also, what about the pods on Esperanzas? Forrest said, the only advantage of clipping off the mountain laurel seeds is aesthetics. Mm-hmm. They will persist on the tree for a year or more, and the tree looks better without them. If you do clip them off, put them in your garbage uh, for disposal as they are toxic. Mm. You don't want to be feeding them to your children. Uh, you should keep them in bean, keep the bean pods clipped from the Esperanza as they will promote more bloom. Now along this line, uh, Neil Sperry writes, we're, we're talking about uh, uh, cray myrtle, and he says there's no need to remove the seed heads. A lot of people are concerned after they bloom, that they're covered with seed head. Plants will rebloom just as quickly if you leave them in place. Uh, That's not the story we used to tell. Yeah, and I, 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 the the plants will rebloom, but I doubt if it's as quickly as if you if you removed them because when you remove those seed pods. Uh, it it forces the growth of the buds beneath that seed pod. Now there's a, a, a to sprout. A, there's an interesting point in there, is that some of the larger crepe myrtles, it, it really isn't practical to try to remove. Oh those, yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's not necessary to yeah. do it. That's what Neil was trying to say. But uh, if you can reach them, I think it might. Uh, Speed them up. Speed up your rebloom quite a bit because they bloom on new wood, and uh, cutting those balls off, will, uh, seed pods off, will make them rebloom better. Um, 
I have two flower beds in which I want to remove Asia, Asiatic jasmine ground cover and replace it with rock. <laughs> Everybody else is trying to grow Asian yeah, jasmine, and there's always one that wants to do something else. What is the best way to remove Asian with the move with the jasmine without damaging any of the other trees or shrubs in these beds? And the forest answers, the Asian jasmine has a shallow root system. The plant is very difficult to kill with herbicide because of its waxy leaf. The best way to remove it is to take a square spade, sharpen the edge like a hole, and slip this just under the soil surface and cut the jasmine roots. You can then roll it up like an old rug to dispose of it. All right, we're going to say goodbye for today. On behalf of the docs, thanks to Al for doing a great job. Uh, and thanks, of course, to you for listening. And we'll get those phone lines uh, figure out what went wrong and get everything fixed up for the next show on Saturday. So you join us then. I'm Milton Glick, and this is 930 a.m., The Answer.